0: Content warning. Castration, Nazism, and the Holocaust, sex, drugs, and rock and roll. Action! Excitement! Horror romance! Thrills and chills! Swords and sorcery! Rockets and ray guns! A dizzying canoply of the strange and impossible from the darkest depths of the human imagination! What mad universe encompasses such tales as these... It's a dreadfully long monster of a book, Wildblood says pettishly, and I certainly won't have time to read it, but I'm giving it a thorough skimming. The authors are utterly incompetent, no sense of style or structure at all. It starts out as a detective story, switches to science fiction, then goes off to the supernatural, and is full of the most detailed information of dozens of ghastly boring subjects. And the time sequence is all out of order, in a very pretentious imitation of Faulkner and Joyce. Worse yet, it has the most raunchy sex scenes thrown in just to make it sell, I'm sure, and the authors, whom I've never heard of, have the supreme bad taste to introduce real political figures into this mishmash, and pretend to be exposing a real conspiracy. If The Lord of the Rings is a fairy tale for adults, sophisticated readers will quickly recognize this monumental miscarriage as a fairy tale for paranoids. That refers to the ridiculous conspiracy theory that the plot, if there is one, seems to revolve around. Nicely worded, wouldn't you say? from the Illuminatus Trilogy, as spoken by Episcene Wildblood, the reviewer, who seems to be reviewing the book he's in. Yep. Hello! Once again, uh, this is What Mad Universe. I'm Adam Prosser. With me is Philip Rice. And Hello. We're, hello. And we're continuing on our discussion of uh, the Illuminatus Trilogy by Robert Anton Wilson and Robert Shea. Um, and uh, in this episode, we will reveal all the secrets of the universe, as we promised last time. Um, <laughs> so, um, we talked about all the whole, uh, all the mythos and all the references in the last episode. Um, so this book is, seems to be kind of the great granddaddy of conspiracy theory literature. It's not the origin of most of these theories, but it is definitely the, uh, the thing that helped pop- yeah, it, it popularized a lot of it. I think, um, I think most conspiracy theories, since then uh seem to draw on it um there except as we were discussing interestingly in, alien invasion and government cover-ups of alien invasions don't factor that much into the story uh so but 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 i think y- yeah well it but even then the basic ideas and the ba- basic inspiration uh of things like the x-files di- uh tie into this as well i th- i don't think you get the x-files and there are common form without this book uh one thing that's definitely inspired by it is uh the invisibles grant morrison's the invisibles uh, have you read that phil
1: uh i'm actually uh, sort of on and off rereading it now i'm um, 10 issues in so I-, I haven't read enough of it to really but you've re- but you read it before that right no, I I haven't. It's one of those things that I've had oh. for a while but I just haven't gotten to. Oh, it I because see. It's long and
0: dense. Right, you're trying to go back and reread. I see. You, you got a few episodes in and or a few issues in and you couldn't get past it, so you're going back and rereading it to to get to yeah. the new stuff. Yeah. That's that's the reaction that a lot of people have to the Invisibles, I find. <laughs> it was my well, reaction.
1: I mean, I never thought it was bad or anything. It's just it's very dense right. and I just didn't have time at the time. So yeah. and I seem to not have time right now. So Well the
0: I find with the Invisibles as you get keep keep going on it it actually makes more and more sense like the previous stuff makes more and more sense they introduce yeah. characters sort of backstories later on that make you retroactively understand what they were going for earlier and there's a lot of mm-hmm. other aspects that make more sense once you've gone further into the series this really is But yeah
1: i i do like Grant Morrison the writer quite a mm-hmm. bit so uh This is something I've really been meaning to get to, but really haven't. Right.
0: And and, I mean, right now, it's interesting because the Invisibles grew out of um, the, uh, the, he was writing the Doom Patrol for DC, and uh, he was starting to introduce all these conspiracy theory uh, aspects to it and an evil government cover-up. And um, when the Doom Patrol was cancelled, or when he was taken off the book, uh, I'm not 100% clear what happened there, Uh, he basically continued it over to uh, the Invisibles. Uh, and in fact, the character of Ragged Robin in the Invisibles was apparently originally going to be Crazy Jane from uh, Doom Patrol. Uh, uh,
1: I did read that uh, he uh, said that they were uh, alternate universe versions of each other, like Flash, like the Flashes, or whatever. Huh?
0: Yeah, that makes a it makes a certain amount of sense. Um, it's all anyway. I'm I'm bringing up the Invisibles because as you reread uh, the Illuminatus trilogy, it becomes more and more clear that. Ray Morrison really did just remix it, remix the Illuminatus trilogy uh, to make the Invisibles. It's very, very heavily based on that. There's even scenes uh, that feel like uh, uh, I was just looking over the scene where uh, Fish and Chips, the James Bond stand-in, uh, goes into a church and it's uh, they're actually Cthulhu worshippers in this church and it's a you know a, an evil, horrific. Uh, uh, cult. I think
1: it was Cthugha. Uh, yeah,
0: and. Yeah, right, who is, or as they call him, Saint Toad. Um, and yeah. uh, that scene is echoed very heavily in a later scene in the Invisibles, where one of their agents basically sees the same thing in a church. Um, there's a number of other scenes like that throughout the Invisibles
1: where you're like, mm-hmm. yeah, okay, he's and, he's really just doing his own... And from what I understand, a lot of the Invisibles inspired the Matrix. That's right.
0: So then you have a, another... So if, if the Matrix is the sun and... Um, Invisibles is the father. Uh, the Illuminatus trilogy is the grandfather, essentially. Um, mm-hmm. And and the Matrix actually uses at least one image uh, that isn't really in the Invisibles, but that is in the Illuminatus trilogy. Which is, I mean, they 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 coast around in the Matrix in a not technically a submarine, but what may as well be a submarine, and they fight, you know, crab spider robots. Uh, you, you get what I'm going for here? Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. It, yeah. It, that definitely.
1: bar Chilin has a um sub, a giant golden submarine called the Leap Erikson, and he fights Illuminati spider robots.
0: Mm-hmm. And in both cases, it's used as sort of the other world. It's sort of reflected mm-hmm. as there's the real world, and then there's this other world where all these secret things are going on. Uh, in both stories, uh, you know, the people who have discovered the secret goings on are floating around in a, in a, a vessel fighting you know, crab spider robots. So that cannot be a coincidence. I think. Um, so it, it, and and like I say, that's not in the invisible. So it's interesting that the Wachowskis must have read uh, the Illuminatus trilogy as well. And all three books have a very strong motif of uh, anarchy and you know kicking back against authoritarianism, which is probably essentially inevitable when you're doing a, a government conspiracy theory story, but still
1: uh, not necessarily some uh, some conspiracy theorists or a lot of them are very authoritarian like Alex Jones and right well
0: okay so let's get into that that's something that we uh we can't get away from um uh, we were going to talk a bit about Hagbard Chalene, uh who we did who you know he uh, Phil called him the main character um of in the last uh episode but um he's unlike most of the other characters in this book he is an Anarcho-capitalist, right?
1: Yeah. And um, what he, did you, I don't think they use that phrase specifically. No, uh, and it was around at the time, but I don't think they use it specifically. Oh, oh no, they that's do. Pretty clear what he they used. do. They say oh, specifically
0: okay. he's an anarcho-capitalist multiple times.
1: Um, okay, never. Mind. And in fact,
0: well, that's just that's the interesting part because they talk about you know George Dorn, the main character is uh you know explicitly portrayed there's as a
1: viewpoint character right
0: he's explicitly portrayed as left-wing uh and he's kind of a little distrusting of Chilling when he meets him uh for that exact reason because he understands he's a uh you know an anarcho-capitalist and they do talk a few points about how there's sort of right-wing libertarians and left-wing libertarians uh throughout the story who are sort of sometimes together and sometimes they're but th- they'll be sort of on the same side but they'll be arguing like hell the whole time, essentially.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, uh, Hagbard says he specifically works with the Jams, led by John Dillinger, right. who are a um, left-wing organization. Right.
0: Well, he's he's he says... Part of Hagbard's whole thing is that he says, I don't believe in labels, I don't believe in schisms and groups, except he kind of does believe in schisms and groups, mm-hmm. but only as kind of an intellectual exercise. Uh, he's obviously very willing to work with left-wing groups. Um, his main thing is
1: you know, anarchism
0: more than it is capitalism, basically.
1: Yeah. And it seems to be a little different from modern end caps or just, I don't know, internet jerks. Right. Well, that's um, that, like, he, he doesn't believe in, like he, he talks about the personal versus private property distinction and all that.
0: Yeah. He's, he, he makes a pretty specific thing of not believing in, um, in government issued currency um, which is a big libertarian thing. But he goes on to say, you know, you can't own... He doesn't flat out say you can't own property, uh, because that's the confusing part. He says property rights are individual rights. But then he also talks about how, uh, you know, it's not right to charge rent for anything, basically. And
1: Yeah, I, I was a little confused by some of this, <laughs> because it does seem... Different in some ways from modern uh Cabbos, but yeah. similar in other ways. So.
0: And, and, I mean, you have to take it, you have to filter in the fact that Chilin is specifically saying, I'm saying all these contradictory things to deliberately, you know, confuse you. And,
1: and- Yeah, later on he actually says to George Dorn that uh, he intentionally went, uh, or laid on the right-wing stuff thicker so that uh, George Dorn would have something to sort of rebel against. Right, exactly. Uh, even when he's discovering all the secrets of the world and yeah. Right.
0: And um, he, he, I mean, I, I read an interview with Robert Anton Wilson. It was interesting because the guy interviewing him was a libertarian um, and he clearly revered him, but he was arguing The, the interviewer was very much saying, well, you have to have, to have personal property rights. Robert Anton Wilson was actually very specifically saying, no, you can't, you know, you can't, it's not right to own a piece of land or a piece of equipment. Uh, even if it was, you know, intellectually. Okay. Um, you've got, uh, you know, all of the, the land in North America, for instance, is stolen from the the native Americans. Uh, so it was all,
1: which is a thing in the book. Yeah. Right.
0: And that's something, yeah. Chilin specifically got to where he was because he was a native defending, uh, or because he was a lawyer defending native rights. And, um, <clears throat> he, um, he specifically says yeah it's you know the entire government is based on theft and 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 brutally taking away native americans land so you know even if it was legally right to own a piece of land and charge people rent it wouldn't have you know the force of law basically which is you know something that i think a lot of ancaps and libertarians would say would pay lip service to but then they seem to be fine with the idea of if i own it i can charge rent and do whatever i
1: want right yeah, um, it, it's usually very much you know screw you. I've got mine sort of attitude. Right, exactly. Uh, that it's
0: uh, that's one of the unfortunate things. So anyway, we were gonna we were so Hagbard Celine. The other thing about Hagbard Celine is I see him very much as in some ways a proto Silicon Valley type, and I've seen a few people make that connection as well when talking about Illuminatus in the modern day.
1: Yeah, he does uh, sometimes come across as what. Uh, um, elon musk imagines himself to
0: <laughs> yeah exactly i mean he literally has the supercomputer that can do anything that he built himself essentially mm-hmm. um you know he's
1: got he, he has a flying saucer and submarine and yeah. that he he supposedly designed though one um uh, there's uh obviously the book contradicts itself a lot but uh there's one part where somebody suggests that he stole it from uh it was a prototype by the government, and he stole it. But uh, right, right. It seems that he designed it. Yeah. Well,
0: I the, the 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 books I think smart enough not to credit Celine as like or Chaline as a Randian superhuman uh, who can.
1: Yeah, yeah. That he he sort of comes across like a that in that archetype, but he specifically rejects it in a lot of ways. Right. Because he didn't build Including all this stuff. Rejecting in... objectivism specifically.
0: Yes, yeah. The the book is definitely down on objectivism. Uh, There's a group called the Gods Lightning who are uh, who are uh, which is a kind of a biker gang almost, uh, and they're brought but they're explicitly religion and fascist and authoritarian, and they're they're uh, they're controlled by a woman named Atlanta Hope, who is basically Ayn Rand, Um,
1: but religious. Yeah,
0: but religious. Yeah, and there there are some. There are some differences, but she's clearly she wrote a book
1: called Telemachus Sneezed, which is obviously meant to be Atlas Shrugged, um, it, and it's um and it's got lots of rape stuff in it, you know, very a uh, um, lot of racial politics, and you know, obviously it's a parody of Ayn Rand. So, yeah.
0: well, it, it and it's interesting because he 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 ties her into the feminist movement, uh, which might have made people kind of go, "What the hell?" But that actually there is some consistency with Ayn Rand there because she she had a certain feminist take while also being like f- feminists are often, uh, they, they're they surprisingly frequently embrace her. She wasn't, she never said a oh, woman should stay in the home or anything overtly. And
1: she was pro abortion or uh, pro choice. at least. Yeah.
0: That's so she had a very weird conflicting attitude in some ways, but she was also, she was also often afraid to just flat out state her, <laughs> her opinions on things. So it can sometimes be hard to nail her down politically on a few things. Um, which is ironic. He, well yes, exactly. that's what? Inconsistency and in objectivism. what? <laughs> <laughs> and incong- inconsistency in anarcho-capitalism. Well, what <laughs> um, But with Chilelen, yeah that's like I say, he, he people have also pointed out that um, that, that uh, modern day Silicon Valley, uh, m- not so much in the book, but uh, the the group like Timothy Leary, which Wilson was in Timothy Leary's orbit. Um, they were big believers later in life, post-70s, uh, like late 70s and 80s. They started talking about, you know, sp- being big boosters for space travel and uh, basically techno-libertarianism and the the birth of the Internet. And they, they believed with some validity, I think, that, um, you know, technological advancements would help us become more free in an anarchic sense, more libertarian sense, like we would have more of a wild west uh you know in the internet and if we could go into outer space we would uh you know expand our human consciousness and everything like that. Um so it's again there's a tie and and it's hard not to see that as probably having influenced a lot of Silicon Valley moguls, like um Elon Musk and so on. They don't they don't talk about Leary and stuff, but if you consider they're all kind of they all have a guru attitude to them and they all, you know, <laughs> a lot of them seem to be you know, guys who go off into the desert and take weird drugs and come out with visions for mankind. Even if they don't literally do that, they portray themselves
1: that well, way, right? Jack Dorsey pretty much does that, <laughs> right? Weird exactly. Fasting things, yeah.
0: Jack Dorsey, Musk is maybe you know he's more of a weed a weed smoker as we know, but um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they they they, portray, they have the same sort of we're the modern Timothy Learys uh, attitude mm-hmm. to them. I would say, wouldn't, wouldn't you? Would you say that's funny? yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think I think that that was whether they actually. Ex- uh, from what I know of Timothy
1: Leary, which honestly isn't much. But. Yeah,
0: well, I I think that whether they acknowledge it or not, I think he kind of laid the groundwork for their whole persona. But they they dial it in explicitly to technology, whereas Leary t- dialed it into drugs and counterculture. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and so Wilson was in that sort of orbit. Um, so as a result, you've got um, yeah, you know, Hegbert Chaline seems like he might be a bit of a. A hero, and I—I I have seen some, you know, jackass internet libertarian types uh, associating themselves with Chilean too, right?
1: You, oh, really? I haven't seen that
0: once or two. It's not super common. I wouldn't say it was a trend, but I have definitely seen some libertarians who, who kind of like the the internet, less the uh, you know the alt right types, and more the well, I'm just a yeah. crazy. Chaos making guy kind of thing, and who tend to
1: yeah, yeah. Ineffic- no, I can definitely see it. I just I mean I just haven't seen it. Yeah, well, fortunately, I, I so think- that's that's one
0: of the things about the books. So Phil, you wanted to tell us the big, uh, so we're gonna we're gonna spoil the ending of the book here, but Phil wanted to uh, explain to us the big revelation about Hagbard Chilling that comes at the end of the book.
1: Yeah, it seems he's the fifth member of the Illuminati's uh, premi, <laughs> um, and. Uh, Pr- Primei? Is that a? Premi, yeah. Premi, I think okay. it's Illuminati. Primi. Uh, yeah. So, uh, uh, and that the Illuminati, the Illuminati is not actually an ancient organization. Uh, it's um, it's just a bunch of different organizations who all think they're ancient. Right. Um, sort of, it's competing, or you know, so there actually is no overarching Illuminati. This is uh, the. Um, American Medical Association is actually fairly recently formed uh, or the, the, their version of the Illuminati is fairly recently formed as in in the last century in the, you know and um, Hagbard joined because he seemed to know what he was talking about or he, they allowed him in um, because he seemed to know what he was talking about um, but uh, uh, and he, it's but but he's not actually uh, evil he's working against them. Right. uh he infiltrated them in order to uh to stop them and this is all just a giant long con on his part and he's part of the true illuminati as well which is what stretches back to Gruat. um but uh uh they're not really trying to control things they're just sort of trying to help humanity right they're they're called the and a and they're also the uh the aa with that weird sort of three dot symbol right which is um a a group um uh, first mentioned by, oh, we have...
0: Um, it's called the... It Ar- stands for Argentium Astrum.
1: Uh, that's one version of what it stands for. <laughs> yes, right. There's different... Um, it, it. But it was... it. It's a secret order that uh, probably didn't exist, but it was described and probably invented by Alistair Crowley in, in uh, the early 1900s, uh, though he claimed it existed since the dawn of mankind. Mm-hmm. Um, Definitely... or a- that there's a... De- Sorry, definitely.
0: That's a re- a recurring theme with these secret organizations as they always say, "Oh yes, we date back to the dawn of mankind," even though they were just creating it at that, that <laughs> at that time, right?
1: Which is which is treated in this book is something that happens, mm-hmm. which is kind of funny. Uh, but uh, so there's an outer college and an inner college that has been operating in secret, uh, and uh, yeah. Um, so that that's apparently what Hagbard belongs to, as does the Daily Lama, who turns out to be Gruad. Right. So essentially... So uh, Gruad actually repented of, of what he did and wanted to um, uh, instead uh, uh, aid mankind. Right. But through the process of not doing anything, but it's like the, the Tao whatever.
0: Right. Yeah, he, it, it's, it's essentially everyone is, uh, you know, th- there is no big speed. The, the big revelation is that there is, in as much as there's a big secret conspiracy keeping everything together, it's uh, a bunch of people working across purposes and not, and the, the conspiracy is actually the good guys. When you go back far enough mm-hmm. and you peel back the layers far enough. Um, and they're they're kind of keeping, a, they're keeping the various groups that want to keep control of each other apart from each other
1: um mm-hmm. or they're keeping and, uh, them like, sort of and chasing bar joining the e ev- sorry i joining yeah. the evil illuminati like i said it was a long con in order to destroy them. right yeah, he was, he was, and that he's trying he was to sort of playing, but he's playing eight dimensional chess, <laughs> <laughs> five dimensional chess. Yeah.
0: Uh, cause we have to say five, right. For everything.
1: Oh, right. Right.
0: <laughs> but, um, yeah, no, he's, he's, uh, yeah, it's kind of, he's doing everything he can to just set everyone against each other and promote chaos and, and keep, uh, keep people, uh, trashing at each other so i mean Mm -hmm. one of the one of the things about this so when this is revealed and when you look at sort of the book's uh larger morality um you do kind of have to read that and go "Hmm." you know are you suggesting that any kind of morality is a con and anything is any any morality is a mistake because, like, when Malachlips the Elder is summoned in that one part, uh, he speaks to Joe Malik, I believe. Joe, he's originally summoned as basically Satan in a what he what seems to be a satanic ritual, which ties in, of course, satanic Satanism is, of course, part of uh, a lot of conspiracy theories. Um, when they tie, when Joe Malick, uh they summon the, the devil, and he turns out to be a guy who looks like um, uh, who is it again? Sean um, Paul Sart. No, no, no the uh, the 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 televangelist uh, Billy Graham.
1: Oh, sorry. Yeah. yeah, when he
0: first he does turn
1: into John Paul Sartre, but yeah. Yeah, well, he takes different forms,
0: and this is Malachip's the Elder, uh, and he does mm-hmm. that kind of thing to screw with everyone's head in a benign way, as mentioned. Um, he he um, he talks about how literally, oh, I don't make moral judgments on anyone, and he talks about how you know the Illuminati's goal of mass murder. Uh, He doesn't even judge that, basically. He says, you know, that's just, there's no moral grounds, but I find it inefficient, essentially. Um, Mm -hmm. That, when you read that, and when you look at sort of how everything's been going on with this book, uh, and you look at how it translates into the real world, you do get a... I have to admit, on rereading this and considering where we're at in 2019, I do get a little bit unsettled by some of the ideas behind this book, um in, Yeah, yeah.
1: I've Go ahead. I've heard um I've had I have some uh, sort of hippie ish friends and some of them were were talking about how Trump is act Trump and you know the rise of neo Nazis and all that stuff in modern society is actually a good thing because it'll get people to wake up and I'm like yeah, yeah, but people are gonna die.
0: Yeah. Well there's there's that uh, and there is that that sense of yeah, yeah. It's the soul, whole sort of well if we create chaos it'll bring down the system and it's like, yeah, but that can open the door to worse offenses and worse author- authoritarianism um, mm-hmm. and there's also the fact that uh, well a- as you recall when we were sort of uh, talking about this a while back uh we we had someone online who literally advanced i think this is appropriate enough for a book about conspiracy theories uh they advanced the theory that um robert anton wilson was basically a cia dupe and that he was writing this specifically uh, to discredit the letters that were coming in uh, about Playboy, uh, to Playboy, that and some of which were, of course, you know, crazy, but some of which were talking about uh, real conspiracies and CIA conspiracies.
1: Yeah, and he lumps them in with the John Birch stuff. So right. And that it's that a case could be made for him sort of uh, trying to downplay real offenses by the government by comparing them to like. Illuminati conspiracy theories and stuff. That's right. And and I
0: mean this person was specifically talking about MK Ultra, which is something that is never, unless I missed it, mentioned in the novel. Am I right? It's they don't talk about MKUltra. I Ultra. don't think so. Yeah. And that was a very much that's at the center of a lot of conspiracy theories, and that was never mentioned at any point in this book, which is the and it's, you know, real to a an extent. There's a sort of there's a question of how much of the accusations are true, but uh we know that the government did do you know, they did dose people with drugs in an effort to do blind control experiments. Um, and that these were, you know, this is the real conspiracy that was trying to be exposed. Uh, and that if you lump that in with all this craziness about communism and, and, and you know, fluoride in the water supply and all that stuff, um, you know, it starts to look crazy. And they even explicitly say in the book, um, you know, well, if you mix lies in with the truth, then it's a great way of devaluating the truth, Right. Um, mm-hmm. I do think that's a bit of a stretch. Like, there's no actual basis for associating Wilson with, you know, the CIA. Like, there's
1: no evidence. Yeah, it seems it seems too much like, uh, I don't know, characters in the book. Honestly, yeah, I don't know.
0: I mean, you 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 the the problem with doing it that way is is um, like Wilson was pretty. Wilson's own politics were pretty consistent, and like whatever you want to talk about the impact of the book, uh, Wilson himself like I say, he, he argued very, I was talking about this interview with this guy, uh, and he was arguing very strongly against, you know, uh, property rights. Um, he was sympathetic to Marx. The book is interestingly a bit dis- like, uh, Illuminatus is actually dismissive of Marx, interestingly enough. Um, of course the communists have to be part of the Illuminati for, to tie together every conspiracy conspiracy theory that ever existed. So of course, you know,
1: but as are the capitalists as well, right? And
0: the fascists, you know, the Nazis and the communists were all on the same team, but didn't realize it, and they were having their strings pulled by the Illuminati. Um, he's pretty dis... and he does talk at one point in the book about um, how left-wing groups are filled with hate. Basically, uh, he says that a couple times, um, and that it was, and or that they're they mean well, but they, you know, that that they're they're too caught up in the world, essentially. Um, there was a documentary made sometime, I think, in the '70s called uh, "There's a Policeman in Your Head and He Must Be Destroyed." Uh, have you heard of this?
1: No, I, I don't know it.
0: Um, it, it, one of the things it talked about was the fact that in the '60s, of course, you had the civil rights move. Well, the '50s started the civil rights movement. You had the successful, the success of the civil rights movement, which led to a lot of activism and a lot of uh, outgrowths of different counterculture movements throughout the '60s, which were very much challenging authority in the way you know this book taps into, um, but because it was, you know, it was really challenging the system in a way that was not, you know, good for the people in charge. And, um, one of the things the documentary posited is just that they were able to basically divert that energy into self help, I guess, self mm. en- yeah. enlightenment and and uh like working on your inner life and sort of detaching from the world and becoming a clean your room sorry
1: oh, i was doing a bad jordan peterson impression but I clean your room oh clean
0: yeah well that yes exactly that's in some ways that's the modern uh the modern interpretation because he's a of
1: self-help it. guy who says that you can't uh, criticize other people unless you Uh, fixed everything in your own life but he's out there criticizing other people while his room is filthy yes (laughs) well he
0: doesn't eat he doesn't eat vegetables or anything um yeah no that there's there there's the attitude that you know that was channeled into and and mysticism can be part of that as well this idea of well reality's not real man you've got to go and uh and uh and you know hang out in the mental plane and not stress so much about you know the problems with the real world which i mean It gets complicated because that's true to an extent. You can't stress too much about everything you can't control in the real world. But at what point do you draw the line? If you detach from the world entirely, you're never going to make change and and help people and 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 make the world a better place. Uh, you mentioned Jack Dorsey, and I mean he's been accused of that. He's he's apparently a Buddhist. Um, and recently he went on a, oh
1: really I didn't know that well he
0: went on a well okay maybe he's not a Buddhist but he went on a Buddhist retreat recently to a Thailand yeah, yeah. and he was talking about all the great you know mental processes he learned and how he learned to meditate and all this stuff and meanwhile people are going yeah but you're running a platform that that gives Nazis a platform and 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 yeah and you yourself seem to have all these issues including you know some serious problem and like it, it's an abnegation of responsibility in some ways mm-hmm Right?
1: Yeah, uh, this is a bit of an aside, but have you seen uh, Avatar The Last Airbender of the series? Sorry, one second. Uh, yes, I have. Okay, well, I just, uh, there's interesting stuff in season two about uh, uh, the conflict between det- detachment and actually helping people. Right.
0: Yeah, that's, that's actually something Buddhists have been dealing with, of course, yeah. as long as their religion is alive, and some of the other transcendental. Even, you know, and in, in Christianity and like they, they any religion that deals with, Oh yeah, there's a higher spiritual plane that you can achieve, um, has mm-hmm. had to grapple with that of, you know, yeah, but the world Yeah, I needs mean us. even
1: in Christianity they, like you said, there's like liberation theology and that sort of thing. Right.
0: It's it's this idea of, you know, well, do we want to improve the world or do we want to, you know, let the world be and detach ourselves and go off into the desert? Uh, because at a certain point that stop that, that helps the powers that be if you just detach and wander off yeah. and don't do anything right um so there's been a certain level of criticism of this book and the discordian movement and maybe even the counterculture in general that came out of the 60s and 70s that they detached too much and they stopped uh they stopped putting the pressure on the real
1: world and they wandered off into the desert as it were um well i mean there's there's definitely like you know even a political shift in a lot of the hippies from the 60s right uh, who later became Reaganites and that sort of thing,
0: and 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 I mean, they there was a that's where the sort of the new embrace of Christianity came from out of the seventies. Uh, I'd argue that American culture was a little more secular in the fifties and sixties, and by the end of the seventies, that people started to embrace fundamentalist Christianity again in a way they hadn't quite as much uh, in the last in the previous decades. Um, I'm not sure. It's sometimes. I mean, it's it's a hard thing to pin down. But certainly, the sudden rise of religious groups in politics uh, that dates itself back to the to the early 70s, and then that you know they joined the Reagan coalition and everything, Um, Mm -hmm. which is actually interesting because uh, I was talking about Timothy Leary uh, earlier. He's got some ties to the libertarians uh, in the Republican movement, including um, uh, Ron Paul of all people. Um, he he is actually, he was apparently friends with Timothy Leary. I didn't know that, uh, back in the day.
1: So, uh, Ron Paul was friends with Timothy Leary and Richard Spencer, I guess. (laughs) Oh, was he friends with Richard Spencer? Yeah. Uh, well, Richard Spencer announced him at a, at a, one of his rallies. Right, right. And that was apparently
0: Richard Spencer, uh, early, uh, earlier before he became, he wasn't quite... Well, he, he already was,
1: but before he became overt about yeah, it. Yeah, right. He was kind of secretly... Like his views didn't really change. He just,
0: you know, was open yeah. with it later on. Yeah, the, it's it's hard to... It can be a little hard to pin down Ron Paul because he's very... He actually does have a pretty decent record on civil rights and things and, and anti-imperialism, but he's also a, you know, property values are all, you know, you have
1: to... And a Bircher. Yeah,
0: yeah, and he's a... Yeah, he's John Bircher. Um,
1: so... And, and after a while, like, Sorry, I say tim- I don't want to get too political here, but yeah. I mean sort of maintain the, the property rights are all things sort of comes down to, you know, if people who have property, you know, all this property deserve it, mm-hmm. and the people who don't have it are there because they don't deserve it. Right. And if you look at the racial disparities in people who have it and supposedly deserve it, and people who don't have it and supposedly don't deserve it. Yeah, it's not a. It's not that hard to take the next logical step to say that they're genetically inferior. Oh,
0: absolutely. I mean, that is the that has been the big issue with the right wing libertarian movement. Sorry, I said Le- Timothy Leary and uh, Ron Paul were friends, but that's not necessarily I I I may be exaggerating that. They apparently moved mm-hmm. in the in similar circles. Yeah. Um, yeah. He also, like, he apparently... Well, this is the weird thing. He became friends with G. Gordon Liddy, which is weird because Liddy put him in jail in the 60s, but then in the 70s they went on speaking tours together, like, debating stuff back and forth. Um, so this is kind of what I'm talking about. It's it's almost like, well, your values might be good, but your actions can, you know, cannot be great if you're going to just sort of put them aside and work alongside bad people, right?
1: Yeah, so he sort of became the... Um... Oh, uh, what's that? Combs uh, from Hannity and Combs back when? Yeah. Well, I like
0: to think that they had a more substantive. it was less on the, on the right wing side, like less slanted, uh, not as much of a platform, mm-hmm. but I mean, it, okay. it is, you know, as I say this, I think honestly there was an attempt in good faith in the late sixties and seventies to, to sort of move towards, you know, maybe we can get away from the binary and, 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 Think things through, you know. Have have real discussions about this stuff. And and as I say, Wilson was very clear in some interviews that you know he he took Marx seriously. He wasn't a you know he wasn't a communist or even a socialist necessarily, but he was an anarchist. Uh, but he believed in you know he was not a right wing anarchist, as far as I can tell. For all his sympathy to an caps, he didn't think that capitalism was something to be emulated, and that it. You know, it had a lot of fundamental problems, including based on theft and everything like that. But, it is, but as I say, it's just that you, you can see that evolution through of the counterculture through into what's become a very ugly right wing movement in the U.S., basically.
1: Yeah. And uh, you mentioned the notes here, uh, things like hacker culture and the Church of the Flying Spaghetti Monster are inspired by discordianism in a lot of ways. Yes, that's right. Um, yeah. And I, I remember like the atheist movement like that. I was part of that. Uh, well, I mean, I wasn't like a figure in it or anything, but like I, mm-hmm. I, I followed that uh, when I was um, a teenager before it all went to hell, and uh, yeah. that's really morphed into a weird right-wing thing. Right. Yeah. Exactly. The 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 you know it, what I think was movement uh, atheism as a as a concept sort of got taken over by people who you know. Uh, went from debunking creationists to you know mm. yelling about feminists and
0: yeah. I mean, the crazy part is I think that got a real boost in the 2000s under you know the George W. Bush uh, years. Uh, you know there was a ver- there was a real uh, strong push for authoritarian uh, religion essentially, and and mm. I think there was a pushback to that. But then those people went on and became just as right wing, basically. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. And
0: and. Uh, You know, the hackers who were seen as, you know, in the late 90s and 2000s, they were seen as the ultimate anarchists, Uh, you know, the cool people who were going to set us free from, you know, using that whole technological liberation thing that I talked about uh, in the last. Yeah, I I
1: recently watched a video about uh, philosophical uh, um, connections with uh, cyberpunk, Mm -hmm. and um, uh, it it makes the the argument uh, that... um, uh, a lot of the things that are on, um, uh, that the government, that uh, governments or powers that be, capital, whatever, hasn't um, uh, gotten their hands into yet uh, are seen as more like freedom, like uh, associated with freedom. So, like in uh, cyberpunk, it was like cyberspace was associated with freedom and becoming, you know, uh, transhumanism and all that stuff. But since the internet has been co opted, uh, uh, you know, sort of taken over by companies and that sort of thing mm-hmm. uh that's really gone away and cyberpunk has sort of died except for an aesthetic which is now a retro right. thing
0: yes exactly yeah that's that's been a consistent uh, thing where it's co-opted and i mean you look at people like uh julian assange and edward snowden for instance and uh you know those are guys who definitely did something uh that was you know to 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 push back against authoritarianism, but their actual politics and their ideas are in many ways, very right wing. And it's, it's not, you you know, if you're, if you're an anti authoritarian, but you're left wing, you have a very ambiguous view of these people because they're, they're definitely fighting against uh, systems of control, but they also seem to have their own creepy fascist ideas, especially Assange. Uh, You know, wasn't he literally raised in like a cult that, Told him he was, you know, one of the chosen people or something. Like, they're,
1: they're I don't know. Th- th- I don't know about his personal life other than he's dating Pamela Anderson, which is weird. <laughs>
0: um. Well, yeah, he's 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 definitely doing it as like I'm a big rock star. Like it, it seems to be something he uses as a medium rather than for its own sake. Um, mm-hmm. Snowden, maybe you can make a better case that he lives by his principles a little better than Assange, mm-hmm. uh, but. Snowden has some
1: right libertarian views as well, from what I understand. Um, I don't know much about his personal life either, uh, or his personal beliefs. Um, now, uh, we mentioned uh, Alex Jones at the top of the show. Yep. Um, and, uh, of course, QAnon is a thing now. So, right. like, conspiracy theories with the John Burke Society and other stuff, uh, it, it always had a right wing tinge. And yeah. this um, Illuminatus was sort of putting a if not a left-wing perspective on it, um, at least some of the characters were. Yeah. Um, and uh, sort of trying to reclaim it from the right wing, I guess. But uh, yeah. it's still, it didn't successfully reclaim it.
0: Yeah. Well, that's just it. And, I mean, QAnon, when you read about QAnon, when you read what the QAnon people are saying, it's, it's pretty nakedly like... Well, we'll hurt all the people who are pressing us into camps and exterminate mm-hmm. them all. And it's like you're they're, they they they're not anti-authoritarian at all. They just want to be the authoritarians. Like there's they've completely yeah. given up. At least in the era of you know the Illuminatus trilogy, you know people like AnCaps. You can argue they were saying, yeah, we're anti-authoritarian for anyone. But being consistent in that viewpoint, I think leads you away from traditional right-wing viewpoints. Uh, whereas these yeah. guys have
1: so like that. Basically, they're, you know, their only problem with the Illuminati is that they're not the Illuminati. <laughs> exactly right.
0: They're the Robert Putney Drakes of the world. And in fact, that's kind of what the character seems to have been representing. The fact that he he started, you know, uncovering this conspiracy and going, levy in, basically. Yeah. Uh, you know, and then he becomes the head of the syndicate. And then, you know, sort of at the end, he's he gets sort of illuminated in a way uh he understands oh you know i wasted my life basically i've been chasing this power when i should have been you know fighting for freedom for everyone basically but you can argue that this level of cognitive dissonance that's brought about by things like this book because this book does pretty pretty explicitly keep coming back to the fact that you know don't get involved you know when you get involved in politics and you start getting angry and you, you you're on a bad trip as they keep saying um, versus the people who understand, you know, mysticism and nonsense, the nothing Aryans of Atlantis, essentially, uh, they've decided that, you know, when you embrace that, you'll be, you'll know to freedom. But when you embrace that sort of level of nonsense, you know, you stop, you you stop having a, a moral center, essentially, you stop understanding, you know, where, or even a logical center, you, you get, you become a QAnon type who can, you know, in one breath embrace the idea of, oh, we're being oppressed and there's an evil conspiracy afoot, To and at the same time going, well, we should lock them all up in horrible camps and abuse them. Like, you know, you don't see the the, the, the conflict there, basically.
1: Mm-hmm. There's also the um, um, a, a thing repeated in this book, and uh, apparently by Robert Anton Wilson himself, that um, if voting were actually effective, it would be a crime. Right. Uh, which I have issues with because, well, right. voting isn't all you can do. It is, It does have measurable effects on how things work. Like, it's, you know, lesser of yeah. two evils is a choice. Like, if you're against the lesser of two evils thing, um, yeah. or if you refuse to vote for the lesser of two evils, you're supporting more evil.
0: Right. Uh, yes, that's exactly right. And I am, I am very sympathetic to
1: the idea of...
0: Um, that yes you you can't just keep saying no no you have to vote you have to participate you have to do this you have to do that or you're 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 just as bad as the other side you know you get that you know lecture from certain people who are very mm-hmm. committed in you know a, a flawed system but it's also true at a certain point that if you say no man it's all bad it's all wrong i'm going to tune out turn out i'm going to drop out of society to <laughs> tune in turn on and drop out um that now you've, you've played their game as well, because now you're not influencing society either, right? So it's it's a bit of a catch-22 mm-hmm. on that level. Um,
1: yeah, I mean, there, there has to be a balance there. Like, voting can't be all you do, like some people seem to think it mm-hmm. is. But uh, it, you have to do other things uh, in order to make society better. But it, it is like... Yeah. It's it has it's a balance. Effect. It's, yeah, it's a
0: balance that you have yeah. to strike. And uh now to be fair, this book is very complex and has a lot of ideas. I don't think it's necessarily just flat out saying, you know, don't never do anything. Just uh retreat into your own head. Uh there is the character of the Dili Lama who we mentioned in the last uh, or we mentioned earlier, and he was um you know, he's supposed to represent the idea of well, as you say, he's groad, uh, but he's also embracing the idea of divine
1: non-intervention essentially um mm-hmm. and and sacrament and hagbard does uh, reject that because he he wants to uh take part in how the world works and you know shape it for the better right um with his long con thing right and he does call um the daily lama an old fraud at one point right exactly um and so obviously there's different uh ideas at conflict here and and we we don't quite get a Right. you know one is the necessarily the best idea right like we aren't given a you know this is who you should be rooting for sort of thing yeah well and you know and
0: just to, to make it appropriately paranoid um there is also the critique that people have of books that criticize systems but seem to be playing into that system where you know the illusion of critique creates a way of diffusing, you know, serious pressure to change or to push back against a system, right? So you have, uh, mm-hmm. you know, I've heard. I I was just seeing someone uh, mention this online where they talked about Captain America: The Winter Soldier, which they they felt. Yeah, yeah, I. Yeah.
1: I'm actually doing. Um, uh, I only did the first one so far, but uh, about the militarism in the uh, Marvel Cinematic Universe. Now it's really inconsistent on in how it views it, right? Not just in movies, like, but with in movies like Iron Man itself, the first movie. Yeah. has no idea what the hell it believes.
0: Right. And and I mean that's that, that's the criticism because those those stories are absolutely Marvel movies is literally getting funded by the CIA and the American military uh you know yeah. as as a promotion to promote their ideas. And then at the same uh well s- most of them some of them are not but yeah. there seems to be some crit- some question of how involved they are. Uh, but it's you know at the same time you know then you have a movie like Winter Soldier which is theoretically critiquing them, but it's also cl- claiming that it's this evil organization <laughs> that's doing everything, rather than just pointing at regular but U.S. imperialism. On the
1: other other hand, it, the organization, the S.H.I.E.L.D. organization was uh, vulnerable to that in the first place, right. so that's... A, so it's like, you go back and forth on these Yeah, things. yeah, it's,
0: it's... To me, that's... I think there's a reasonable level... It, like, a, as a movie, it hangs together. As a story, it hangs together consistently. When you start looking at it as part of a larger social force <laughs> then you can really go down a rabbit hole of is this doing good is it doing bad is it useful yeah, is even it...
1: black panther which i think is a genuinely great movie and has a lot of good messages you could read stuff like that into it yeah like, um, uh, definitely uh, killmonger being presented as right as evil and he is evil as presented in the movie but like is it you know revolutionaries yeah, yeah. but then again you know, like they always depict revolutionaries as evil in these movies right. and something to fight against. Mm-hmm. But on the other hand, there are evil revolutionaries. Right. Right.
0: Exactly. It's just
1: it's it is a you know you
0: <laughs> appropriately you enough you in these loops. you develop a paranoid uh, you know you, you, a paranoia about it. I mean, again, just merely, the, I think people react again to the fact that the CIA is involved in making these movies. So it's hard not. But then when you look at it, you know, objectively. Without that context, you know, it's hard to argue with some of the points that they're making. It's similar to how 1984 uh, was was taught. Like that was moved into school syllabuses because uh, it was seen as an anti-communist book. But it's an anti same
1: with Animal Farm, which was uh, the movie. The animated movie was produced by uh, the government in part. Yeah,
0: absolutely. But they. But but I mean. Uh, An Animal Farm I you know I've actually never read Animal Farm I've seen the movie uh but or I've seen a movie adaptation of it but the um you know 1984 sure it's you know portraying it was inspired by you know stalinism but it's a very concise <laughs> argument against authoritarianism in general mm-hmm. uh you know you're going to you're not going to read that and go away thinking well I should embrace You know, mindless capitalism, either, right?
1: Yeah. So it. Um, And um, uh, Animal Farm, it it starts off with a pig who's based on Marx who has a great idea and then dies, and then the other people pervert it. Yeah, yeah. The other pigs pervert it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Um, I mean, he was. And that's how it's presented in the book. So it's hard to take that as a, you know, pro-capitalist message, really, but I guess some people do. Well,
0: uh, that's the thing, because you can use, and this goes back to the Illuminati trilogy, you can say it's like, yeah, okay, it starts from a sympathetic perspective of Marxism, and then transforms it into, well, but this is what happens in real life, so without going, Marxism is bad, it's like well, okay, Marxism, but look at what happens, and I'd argue that if you wanted to, you could read the Illuminatus book uh, trilogy that way as well. Uh, Like that George Dorn, because he is the uh, audience identification figure, the, uh, the left wing character, he's a, he's a, you know, you might be, he might be seen as having the views that the average reader of the book might be starting from, but then he's taken under the wing of a nominally right wing figure who has all the answers and understands everything much better than he does and has a certain, for all that he insists that he doesn't, he has an authoritarian. Like he has, he's an authority, but not an authoritarian. Um,
1: and though so he does, he does give. He doesn't call himself a captain, and he does give up uh, leadership of of the uh, Arisian group. he's in uh,
0: no question about all that stuff. But I'm just saying that your mindset, reading the book, might. Yeah, you yeah. could argue it sways from being like a hardcore left wing attitude to be, to considering all these other viewpoints, which if you're starting from a left wing viewpoint to start considering all these other, you know, either right wing or, you know, politically neutral viewpoints of maybe you should just detach from the world, man. The practical result is that you stop <laughs> having a, you know, you, st- you stop having a, a sympathy for, uh the left wing viewpoints and activism and you go over and you, at the very least it dilutes any, uh, any sort of attitude you might've had in the first place. Whereas if it had started off arguing for a right wing side of things and then, you know, inverting everything and subverting everything, maybe that would steer people more towards the left side of things. But I mean, that's, Um,
1: I don't know, but at the same time, a lot of people take the start of how things are at the start of the story is how the story believes like uh people who looked at Black Panther and thought it was pro wall and pro you know isolationism. Mm -hmm.
0: Well that's just at the start of the movie. If you're dumb and closed minded the the eternal trap here is that if you're dumb and closed minded, and you know, that's the authoritarian mindset, um you're not likely you're likely to just read whatever you like in the story, even if it's telling you think for yourself. You know, it's the Monty Python Life of Brian thing. You're all individuals. Yes, we're all individuals. Think for yourself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. think for yourself. I'm not. Yeah, I'm not. Whereas whereas if you are a non-authoritarian, <laughs> if you're more likely to think for yourself, if you're more and you know a receptive of new ideas you might be more resist more likely to push back against authoritarianism but then you're also more susceptible to ideas that dilute that <laughs> you know what i mean so it's a it's a catch yeah. 22 you can if you you have to be almost a closed-minded uh, open-minded
1: guy to really <laughs> to really navigate basically yeah um
0: so as ever, we've. Uh,
1: it's this book is really hard to talk about. <laughs> uh, yeah, we've well, spent two hours doing it, but I mean, it's it's hard to talk about coherently. Yes, things.
0: well, that is part of the point, and this is uh, to be fair, this is something that the authors were trying to do. They were trying to uh, invoke a whole, you know.
1: Oh yeah, uh, I, I.
0: You know, mindset.
1: Yeah, we've been criticizing this book a lot this episode, but I do really like these, and I do recommend them. So oh, it's they're. they're they're fascinating reads. Yeah,
0: no, they're a great book, and like I say, they are just from a pop cultural point viewpoint. This is sort of where a lot of ideas that are grounded in pop culture. We talked about some of the obvious influences, but or things that were influenced by it. But you know, any time you get into, uh, consp- I said the X Files didn't seem like a direct line, but it absolutely is because there's you know the the authoritarian control systems and governments and all that stuff is, and and the idea of you know getting into a rabbit hole where you know, there are levels within levels within levels and people betraying each other and nobody really knows what's going on. That's part of the X-Files. Um, we also did, uh, I also need to praise this book, by the way, uh, a, a conspiracy theory is inevitably going to be one of the, one of the uh, through lines is probably going to be anti antisemitism. Um, that's a very common uh, line of thought for conspiracy theories to the point where some people feel that any kind of, Secret cabal that rules the world is an anti Semitic trope in and of itself, uh which I wouldn't.
1: Well, like um David Icke is uh, uh often taken that the lizards are, or the reptilians are standing for Jewish people. Right. And David Icke is anti Semitic. He does believe Jews are, you know, part of the cabal, but he also literally believes in the lizard people. Right. Yeah, well, so it's kind of complicated there, but yeah, <laughs>
0: yeah, well, that's that's kind of a psychological sublimation you you've got to assume, right? <laughs> but um I don't know. There, there is it,
1: but he like he believes that like Jewish people, you know, like the Rothschilds and things, like, yeah. He believes they control things, but but the reptilians control them, right?
0: Well, it has to be said. The whole point of things like the Protocols of the Elders of Zion and various anti-Semitic uh, conspiracy tropes were literally created as conspiracies by people like the Nazis, although that it actually predates the Nazis mm-hmm. by a while, um, to, you know, to deflect uh, criticism of the people who are actually in power and, you know, to this yep. other group, basically, right? Um, mm-hmm. So th- that so that's another example of how conspiracy theories can be very useful to people who are in power, right? Um, yep. And uh, anyway, but you got to give the, the, this book some kudos for trying to avoid uh, any kind of anti-Semitic tropes. I think. Uh,
1: oh yeah, it has it has main Jewish characters, and oh, we didn't even get into the Ares stuff, but I guess. Uh, in what sense? That we didn't talk about Ares, like the goddess manifesting herself. Right.
0: Well, I mean, that's part of the Discordian uh, movement because they have their own illumination. Uh, go. Yeah, yeah. Go, go ahead. But, um, yeah.
1: I, I wanted to mention in the previous episode, Moonchild, and how that sort of relates, but I guess we can't do everything. Uh, yeah,
0: I mean, there's there's just too many uh, levels. Uh, you know, there is a reference to Aleister Crowley and magic. Actually, magic's a big part of the books. We didn't really talk about it as much, but it's kind of overlaying everything. Um, mm-hmm. You know, all the, the idea of initiation and secret rituals and and uh, yeah. and telepathy. People, you know, if you get to a high enough level, you become telepathic
1: in this book. Yep. <laughs> um, and uh, all that. I-, I suggest leaving this in, just us going over it quickly. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's Some just so much <laughs>
0: to chew over yeah. with this book. Uh, you couldn't possibly cover it all. Uh, as I say, it is attempting to do a grand unified uh, field theory of conspiracy mm. theories. So <laughs> there's a lot. Um, Anyway, but I think we should uh, put a... Ra- we'll ne- you'll never get to the bottom of this rabbit hole. So uh, I think we should uh, put a pin in it and, uh, and wrap it. Just say, read by all means, read the book with a skeptical mind. Don't believe anything you read in the book, but you should still read it because it is extremely uh, a, a neat book and a, a, a fundamental uh, aspect of uh, pop culture. Uh, so once again, we're Adam Prosser, the Younger, and the Prophet Philip Rice, Philip Kayyam Rice, Uh, The theme song uh, for What Mad Universe was by Jack Furick and his amazing supercomputer. Uh, With special thanks to Alec Ross, the MGT, we didn't talk about. (laughs) Until next time, uh, partake of no hot dog buns and never whistle while you're pissing.